Hey folks, Brendan here from Blue Light again with another podcast stroke video to help support you in the police recruitment process or in your future promotion boards or specialist interviews because today I've got a video for you where I'm going to cover 15, <laughs> I know it sounds cliched, top tips. For those of you who watch VizComic, no, they're not going to be anything like VizComic tips. These are tips, bits of guidance that you're not going to find anywhere else. Why? Well, some of you might do, some of the things you might do, but for most of it, it's unique because it's from experience. It's not because I've looked this stuff up and put it all together for you in a big bundle. It's because this is what I've experienced uh, this morning, actually, with a client who I did some one-to-one -one work with, who's preparing for their final interview for a police force in England. I won't say any more. I don't want to identify the uh, chap concerned. But there's an awful lot of learning came out of this one-to-one -one session. And it's some of it's the sort of things that's been cropping up over the years. I've been doing this now for 26 years. Other things are quite new and unique, uh, but certainly they're going to help you prepare through the process. So pin your ears back, folks. Here they are. It's not in any order. It's not top anything. It's just based on these are my notes. So all the scribbling notes I made. Um, I'm going to take you through the 15 tips that I put together from this morning's session. So the first thing is um, in respect of timing. So your interview is going to be 40 to 60 minutes long and you're going to get six, seven, maybe eight questions. You've got to do the math. Just do the simple math and you're going to work out that your answers need to be over five minutes long. So the first thing to focus on is making sure that you've got sufficient quality to fill five minutes worth. And that means adding a lot of detail more about that later. Uh, so secondly, they might give you a warm-up question. They'll say that this question is not being assessed. And it might be something along the lines of, tell us about yourself. Tell us something about yourself. What they really mean is, why do you want to be a police officer? So your answer needs to be about why you want to be a police officer. They don't want to know what school you went to or where you like to go on holidays or your favourite colour. They just want to know why you want to be a police officer. Now, the third thing, they're saying that this isn't assessed. Oh, yes, it is. It might not be formally being assessed, but within a minute of you being in that room, they've probably decided, even at a subconscious level, whether you're the right person for the job or not. So that's going to influence how they approach the rest of the interview. Does that make sense? Um, why? Because they're human. Um, so uh, let's see what else we've got. So the number four, right. Why do you want to be a police officer? Uh, this client this morning did what so many of you do. You just give me one or two reasons why. And to be honest, all it was was two bits of a chapter that should be like a 10 chapter story. So one of the things I ask you to take a look at is like a timeline, starting with the thing that inspired you to want to be a police officer. And then what did you do as a result of that? And then what did you learn? And then how do you connect that with the next step? And so that each chapter links in with the previous one. So you've got about 10 chapters worth, about five minutes worth of why you want to be a police officer. And it works really, really well. I promise you that it works really, really well. Okay, we're up to, that was number four, was it? Um, now we're up to number five. So, um, schoolwork. So, actually, this isn't from today's candidate. This is from, this is from another candidate. Um, but it reminded me of it. So, the police now recruit 
people who are 17 years old, you can apply to join the police when you're 17, which means that a lot of your life experience has been spent at school. If I'm asking you a question about when you've worked with others to solve a problem, I don't really want to hear about some group work you did in your physics lessons, because everyone had to do it. It's got to pass the one, sorry, it's got to pass the so what test. So what? So what you did some group work. What I'd much rather hear is um, an account of something you did in terms of volunteering or in the scouts or some sports club or in a part-time job because it's more real world. I know some of you are going to say, no, but school is the real world. College is the real world. University is the real world. Yeah, you can you can try and preach that one and try and persuade me as much as you want, but it's not going to work. I'm not going to buy into it. I'm just not going to buy into it. Um, so the next one, um, I want to hear examples of where you've given 120% without being asked to do so. So the fact that you were tasked up to do something, well, you were tasked up to do something. It's not showing any uh, ingenuity. It's not showing any get up and go. It's not showing that you're a sort of person who's going to take responsibility for things and seek out problems and get a grip of them. It's just telling me that when t- someone tells you to do something, you go and do it. So I want you to focus on things where you've given that sort of additional value um, to whatever it is you do, whether it's sports or volunteering or work, 120% without being asked to do so. Uh, The next one is the use of we. Now this happens all the time. I don't want to know what we did. I want to know what you did. So in your answer, you need to be talking about I. There is no we. There's only I. There's only I. So focus on that, please. Focus on that. That's really, really important. Um, Where are we up to now? Um, Right. So when it comes to working with others as well, you need to describe how you've worked with others. It's not just enough to say that you told people to do things. Actually, that's quite, that's not really working with others. That's just telling people to do things. So uh, I told you, I spoke with, I worked alongside. Uh, Vague statements like that aren't going to work. I want to know how you worked with others. So that's the really important part. Um, Number 10, I think we're up to now. It's all about people. So in your answers, I want to hear about people. If you look at the behaviours from the competency and values framework, you'll see that just about every behaviour involves other people. So all of your answers should include examples of where you've done a lot of things with other people. If you think about police work, from the moment you walk into the locker room and put your uniform on to the moment you walk out, every moment in between is about working with people. I promise you that. If anyone can let me know about something you do when you walk out of that locker room into the police station, if someone can think of anything that involves just you and no one else, then please do let me know. Um, Right, number 11. Yeah, I want to hear some emotion. Oh my goodness. How many of you, when I'm doing one-to-one coaching with you or my interactive webinars, those are sort of group webinars, and if you want to find out the links, find out more about those, the the links are below, and you're also going to find out some links to join the Facebook groups and purchase a copy of my uh, book, How to Succeed in the Police Recruitment Process. Pile of resources below there for you. Um, So you need to include some emotion. Uh, This is 
consistentness. I want your answers to be detailed and structured. I want it to be authentic about something that you've done. But I also want to have some emotional connect. I want to get that you feel it was difficult. I want you to get... I want to get that you felt it was frustrating or hard work or something was difficult about it and challenging about it. I want to know how it felt because most of you, frankly, are giving me accounts that sound like you're telling me a story about when you went to the supermarket to buy a pint of milk. Boring. So it's got to have some um, emotion in it. Now, uh, the candidate today said, um, yeah, but, you know, if I say anything else, it's just waffle. No, it's the waffle that's actually going to get you the pass. Um, because this client this morning, like so many clients, thought that all of that stuff about how you felt and your frustrations and how you manage those frustrations and how you manage those feelings was just waffle that they don't want to hear about. Yes, they do. They want to hear about how you manage difficult situations and how you felt and how you managed those feelings and what you did to take yourself from a state of frustrated to I'm in control and this is going really well. I want to hear about that journey. So that involves detail. I want to know how you did it, how you did it, how you did it. I don't want to know what you did. I don't want to know that you liaised with others in a collaborative fashion. That's what you did. I want to know how you did it. I don't want to know that you approached the person calmly and professionally. I want to know how you did it. I don't want to hear that you listened to them in an empathetic way. I want to know how you did that. So it's the how that's important, folks. And it's how you interacted with other people. I think we're up to number 13 now. Always include some learning. And learning is not... I learned the power of open questions or I learned it's good to challenge people at the earliest opportunity. No, those are just statements of fact. I want to know what you do differently in a similar set of circumstances next time. And that inherently means that you need to talk about something that didn't go to plan. And I want to hear about things that didn't go to plan. Because if you try and persuade me that everything you touch turns to gold, I'm not going to believe you. I'm either going to think you're making it up or it wasn't challenging enough for you. So I want to hear about when things didn't go to plan and that way you can include some learning. And there's a way, and I cover this on my courses, of ensuring that you describe the learning in a really specific, detailed way that is going to... As one of my candidates for PC to Sergeant, who's got his stripes now, said last week, uh, the interviewers really liked it. What they said is it demonstrated humility in your ability to reflect on your practice and learn from it and put that learning into practice in the future. Um, and all he did was use my framework for the learning part of the answer. Number 14, K and U, knowledge and understanding. Right at the very end, if you talk about why this behaviour is so important in the police service and how in the future you would intend to implement that behaviour on a consistent basis. And you can do this from PC to sergeant and sergeant to inspector as well. Talk about that behaviour, why it's so important and what ideas you have to implement that when you are in the next rank or the next role. Last one, number 15. I'll put my notes away now. The four o'clock in the morning test. This goes for potential recruit. This goes for uh, potential sergeants, potential inspectors, uh, detectives, road policing unit. doesn't matter what role you're going in for. I call it the four o'clock in the morning test. So for a potential recruit, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, can I see this person on my team at four in the morning when they started work at six and they're due to go off at four? 
but the jobs are rolling in and the sudden death of a six-month-old baby comes in. Is this the sort of person who I need to ask to go to that job? Or is this the sort of person that's going to hear it over the radio and come in and say, Sarge, can you extend my duties? I've got that one. I've got it. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who is going to be able to hold it together and give 120% without being asked to do so. Someone who's going to be positive about the job. Someone who's not going to fall into the TJF world that I've seen and heard so many times in the police service. Equally, the four o'clock in the morning test for a sergeant or inspector. Are you the person that's going to be able to keep the wheel on? Keep the team together? Hold it together whilst everything around you is going pear-shaped? Are you the one that's going to hold your nerve? Are you the one that people are going to look to for support? Are you the one that's going to be able to direct people with a style of leadership which is appropriate for the situation? I'll be a superintendent or a chief superintendent interviewing you for that rank of sergeant or inspector. And what I'm looking at is, and what I'm thinking whilst I'm looking at you is, can I see this person at four o'clock in the morning when there's no one else around? If it's a sergeant, there's no inspector around. If it's an inspector, well, you're on your own anyway. (laughs) You're it. (laughs) Unless uh, you go to the silver commander for the force or the duty night superintendent, but they don't want to be bothered about inspectory type things. They want you to get a grip of it. They want you to solve the problems. So you're the sort of person that I can can go to work in the morning at seven o'clock and think, it doesn't matter what happened last night, Sergeant Jones was on duty. She's awesome. Doesn't matter what happened last night. Inspector Richardson was on duty, and he's capable of holding the wheel on. He's he'll be he'll have put it back on again. Never mind, stop it from wobbling. He'll have put the wheel back on again. Same with Sergeant Jones. She's amazing. Or am I thinking? Oh my God, Sergeant Crump was on last night. Oh God, whatever happened last night. Oh, I need to be ready for that phone call from the Assistant Chief Constable because what I'm going to get when I get in is what on earth happened at four o'clock in the morning? How come something that should have been dealt with properly and well went so pear-shaped? How come I'm having to read about this on the night night read-up? So that's the four o'clock in the morning test, folks. Equally applicable to new recruit and potential sergeants, potential inspectors, and same for detectives, road policing unit. Can I see them out there? doing the job, unsupervised, putting the wheel back on, making me proud. That's the test. There's no tick box for that, but that's what's going through their heads. Trust me, I've been there. I've been that interviewer. And I've knocked people back because I've just thought, I just can't see them. Can't see this person being on one of my teams. Even if it's something I'm finding hard to articulate, I'll find a way of ethically failing that person. You want to be the person they find a way to ethically pass. And that's why they very going all the way back to the beginning. Tell me something about yourself. Tell me where you want to be. And for the sergeant rank, the question might be as blunt as, why you? Why now? Get ready for it, folks. Get practicing. Prepare, prepare, prepare. So that on the day of your interview, you come across as prepared and confident as opposed to it looking like your first rehearsal. All right, folks. Well, listen, I hope you've enjoyed that podcast stroke YouTube video stroke video on Facebook, wherever it ends up. Um, Like I said, the link's below to all of the resources that are going to get you to that next level that you're looking for. I'll speak to you soon. Stay safe. Look after each other. Bye bye for now.